0: Hello and welcome back to Planet Product Owner. This is your host, Scott. Scott at planetproductowner.org. Give me some feedback on the new microphone. Yes, I did buy a microphone, but this is the first episode that I'm actually using it on, so I would appreciate some feedback and some input from the journeyers here. Thanks again for listening in today's episode is going to, uh, enlighten us maybe on the invest model story sizing. You know, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Who's involved with it? Um, and how we can maybe apply this. Now I'm going to put some videos out planet product owner on YouTube and of course on the Patreon site. So those of you who are supporting me there, thank you. And I encourage you to do that to get the full benefit of the videos that I'm now producing. Um, I get motivated when I see the notification come up that I've got a new patron, and that's always exciting, but I'm not here to push that by any means, as you well know. Um, So uh, tell some friends about the podcast, at least. Let's get others on the journey. And uh, thank you for catching up on all these episodes as well. I'm seeing the numbers continue to climb, and I really appreciate your support and your listenership on that. I hope that it's improving your practice, because that's really, at the end of the day, what I want to do is help you improve your practice. So let's jump in. Essentially, there are three areas where we're talking about sizing stories. And so sizing stories is always kind of a trick. As I've told you, story writing is an art that you will develop and thinking through some of the thinking patterns. And I guess applying some of the thinking patterns that I'm going to cover with you today and uh, in some other mediums. um, Hopefully this will help you out. So let's just jump right into the first one here. There are three areas or three roles or responsibilities not really roles but i think of more as like areas of responsibility that you and the organization may have uh now again i keep this kind of general and uh because you know we've got all kinds of different listeners out here so the first uh the first thing i want to cover the three areas of responsibility that we're talking about for sizing stories so first obviously is the product owner right you should be the primary author now, primary doesn't mean the soul. You're not the only author of user stories, okay? So keep that in mind as we talk about that. You're not the only one. The team should actually contribute and author the stories as well, okay? So sizes of the stories are going to vary across teams. Some teams are going to do better with larger stories. Some teams are going to do better with smaller stories. Um, just remember that the purpose of the user story And the card, if you're using the card or you've heard that analogy or that not analogy, but the method of the card, the three C's, you know, the whole purpose of that is to have a conversation. So the product owner and the team should agree, you know, and get some solid understanding on the outcome, the validation and the purpose of the story. So those are the three things. You know you want to get an understanding on the outcome that you're seeking the validation how we're going to validate it and what what does it mean what is it we're doing what's the purpose of the story you want to get all of that understanding and agreement before your team commits to it in a sprint or an iteration and i'll continue to use sprint and iteration kind of interchangeably just for those who some of you are on the the safe journey some of you are just on a kanban some of you are on strictly scrum or xp or Red or whatever so um here's some questions that i always go back to asking when I'm looking at the size of a story. So first can the story provide a clear and observable outcome and is that testable? So are you getting a testable, observable outcome with your story? Um, the second thing is, can the story meet the definition of done within your time box, within your iteration or your sprint? Um, third, does the story add value and help us lean toward progress? You've heard me talk about leaning toward progress, right? And then finally, does the collection of your user stories paint a picture of your overall goal? So can you can you use that as kind of a map to string those things together, put that collection together, and it says, hey, okay, at the end of all of this, if I read the simple summaries here, I think I can understand what it is that we're going for here. So that's the part of the product owner that I want to make sure that we're understanding is that you are stringing a collection of stories together to paint an overall picture. I've said it before you don't want to get into the mindset or to the mode of working where you're just working story to story to story to story. We want to have a goal we want to have an, an an outcome here. So the next one we're talking about about sizing stories. we're talking about seed stories now and a lot of times a product manager is the one who will often well at least I recommend that the product manager write these seed stories, but yet again, they are not alone in that the product owner should contribute to the seed stories that are found in the epic or the feature. So that collection of seed stories describes the whole solution. So we're working on the whole now. And, you know, of course, teams, we'll talk about that third element here in a minute where they can look through these high level seed stories and they can start figuring out, okay, here are the other stories that are going to be needed in order to make this work happen. So the product manager you want to make sure your seed stories are helpful, um, to the team by, by showing them how the work will be broken down and how that feature gets sliced into a smaller, more manageable, yet vertical outcome. You want to make sure you've got that slice going. Okay. So the purpose of that seed story again is to describe and capture the high level functions expected from the overall feature or the Epic. And so, you know, I've got some examples in the video that I'll share with you, but essentially what we're talking about is at a high level, you want to say, okay, customer can do this, customer can do that, customer can't do this, customer should be able to see, customer would like to be able to see, right? And then you point back to your business requirements in that. So when we're talking about the the sizing of those, I'm going to go to the next, into the next segment. I'll talk more about the sizing, but I just want to make sure we've got kind of this ground level, you know, perspective going us here. Now, finally, we're talking about right size and stories. The agile team has a part in that too, or the dev team, whichever you're referring to them as. Um, the team is primarily responsible for authoring tasks, subtasks, but they can also author team stories or user stories for their iteration or for their sprint. Um, as needed. And and here's a couple of reasons why you want your team doing this, because first of all, the product owner may have overlooked a need or a requirement or some outcome, right? After the team has gone in and looked at the initial, you know, segment, I guess, or collection of user stories there. So the team would have to come up with that. Uh, and, and that's fair. And they should feel comfortable in doing that. Um, another reason that the Agile team may want to write user stories is that Uh, they may agree to split a story and I'm not going to dive in a lot. I mean, I want to touch on splitting stories in this episode, but I'm not going to dive deep into splitting stories, but uh, the agile team may want to split that story into smaller stories um, for testing or for dev purposes or for some kind of enablement or spike type reason. And so they should have to, they should feel comfortable in adding this work to the sprint. Now, I've t- I've talked about this before. We get this misconception about Scrum, even about Kanban where, you know, we're talking about not adding work to our sprint. That's not always true. Uh we talk I've talked about this before that if the team finds that there's going to be additional work needed to meet the sprint goal, then they should feel free enough and comfortable enough and safe enough to be able to do that. Because remember, we're on the journey of exploring, discovering, and defining the unknown, right? So they've got to have some comfort in doing that. Um, So if they're adding tasks, subtasks, even stories to the sprint, to the current iteration, then if those are helping to meet the sprint goal, then it's totally acceptable. Now, I'm not going to go into some of the finer topics, what I've talked about before, about having a primary and secondary sprint goal for the team, just as a backup or, or something else, maybe that you're trying to finish up from previous sprints or whatever. But we want to make sure that when they're doing this, that it's actually helping you into reaching that sprint goal. If it's not, then it's wasted work. It's wasted effort. It's more than what you can bite off, right? And we don't want them doing that and getting into that practice. Um, but give them the comfort and the feel good enough to go forward to add those things, if it's going to help them reach the sprint goal. Okay. So three areas of responsibility, product owner, product manager, agile team, or dev team, whichever you're calling it. Um, each of them have a part in making sure that the stories are right sized enough so that we can get this work to meet the definition of done by the end of the time box. Okay. So stick around for the next segment. And we're going to talk a little bit about this thing called the invest model. I know you've heard about it and I want to just break it down in Scott terms and planet product owner terms to you like you're three years old to help you understand what each of these mean. And then in the final segment, we're going to wrap it up with a few questions you could ask yourself and see if your stories are in fact sized right. Okay. So pen and paper, uh, good memory, whatever you need here. You can probably go back and listen to this while you're looking online too, if you wanted to. Let's talk about the invest model. Uh, so the invest model, you know, it's a great method. And what they're talking about is using this this acronym invest, uh, which each of these letters stand for something else, right? They stand for a word that should describe each of your user stories. We're not talking about taking just the I, just the N, just the V, just the E, just the S, just the T, and making sure that the story fits one of those. What we want to try to do is get the user story itself to have the attributes of each of these letters, okay, and what, or, or descriptions, I guess, from the acronym, if that makes sense. So a lot of times I get product owners thinking, okay, well, this story is independent, so it's good. Yeah, but it's not testable. (laughs) Right, <laughs> or it's not valuable, or it's not negotiable. So we want to make sure that the user story reflects the attributes of all of these, uh, or or has all of these attributes reflected in it, I guess, if, if, if that makes sense. Let's try to stay away from picking and choosing which ones are more important, and as long as they fit that, then we're in good shape. If you want to have good user stories, if you want to have efficient, effective user stories, um, then you're going to follow this model Uh, or something really close to it. Now, I do have some clarifying maybe definitions and terms around uh, each of these descriptions, each of these attributes that we want to try to have it follow. But before I get to those, I want to make sure that we set the stage for this and why we follow this model, why we do this, because somebody came up with it and it was a great idea, right? Um, What we're wanting to do with the user stories themselves is we're wanting to make sure that we can get fast feedback to make sure that we're first meeting the purpose and second, that we have the right plan going in, that we have quality in our work. So in order for us to do that, um, we want to follow some kind of method like this, some kind of model like this to make sure that we're just on the right track, right? So it kind of gives us some parameters to follow, if you will. All right, so let's look at the invest model. The I stands for independent. So I think most of us kind of get this part, but when we think about the story standing alone, what I think of, and so here comes the art piece of it, right? you know, I'm coming to you. It has a starting point and an ending point. So does that make sense to you? So when I say that, what I mean by that is I'm always looking for the lowest level of decomposition of a goal that I can demonstrate and test, and if I can boil it down to that, the lowest level, you know, it could be that, you know, we just have the icon on the screen that the user wants to click and that icon is in the right place. It's, you know, it's got the right, you know, uh, the right navigation rules behind it, the right, um, routines in place, maybe for like data conditioning, whatever it is. And so you've got your own examples of that. But think of the lowest um, level of decomposition uh, of a goal that you can demonstrate and test. That's what we mean by independent. The next one is the N, uh, N like Nancy or N like negotiable. (laughs) Um, Negotiable means that the story um, is not a technical specification, right? It has room for feedback and it doesn't blow up the whole system if we make changes to that one thing, right? So um, it's going to offer some flexibility in the how. That's really what we mean when we talk about negotiable. So good user stories allow for subtle changes in the how we get it done. So if you're using words like button, link, um, select the item whatever it is you know it means different things to different developers it means different things to different teams it means different things to different stakeholders when they read that story and remember i've always said that your user stories are kind of a socialization reflection so you want to make sure that we're following these things Um, if you don't want your product managers describing the hot the, or prescribing the how to you and you don't want your business owners and stake other stakeholders prescribing how the team is going to do something then you shouldn't be doing that in your user stories either you got to reinforce that and say hey the team's going to figure out the how so that negotiable attribute it allows for feedback and it allows for flexibility in the how okay all right the next one is the v like valuable The story is written in the language of the business or the customer. It provides a usable piece of software. Value, remember, is in the eyes of the business or the eyes of the user or the customer. Now, a technical task is part of the solution, but the user gets the value from the solution, not from the technical piece. So we got to keep that in mind when we're writing user stories. How does that impact your user story writing today? Are they more geared towards the technical story that we're wanting um, our developers or our coders to actually solve and implement? Or is it a user or a business problem or opportunity that we're wanting to give them to let them have the room to solve it? So that's the question about the valuable piece of it. Is it valuable to a user of the system, right? Or uh, a stakeholder maybe, or the business, depending on what you know kind of area you're working in. That's what That's how we determine value. It, it's in the it's in the eyes of the customer or the business um, so e estimable estimatable I don't know how you say that, whatever it don't matter. What we're saying here is that the story allows the team to understand the work that's going to be performed and tested in order to meet the definition of done. So when we think about something that's that's a story that's not estimable, or estimatable, however you want to say it, I don't, I don't know. Um, the team can't estimate what they don't understand, right? And the team can't estimate something if it's got tons of routines and logic behind it that they're having to sort through and filter through. That's why we want it to. That's why we want to keep in mind that the team has a good understanding of what they're up against with the story. So when you're writing your user story and you're thinking about the size of it, testing should be built into that. So if they're making a lot of hops if they're make, if they're trying to figure out a lot of data conditioning or a lot of logic behind it or a lot of routines behind it, then more than likely they're going have a tr- they're going to have trouble estimating it. okay? So again, just another attribute of your story. Now s small. this is the fun one. This one gets on my nerves <laughs> because everybody thinks that smaller is better, smaller, 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 and yeah, it is to a, to a point you know, to an extent, but small is not all, smaller is not always better. And I've talked about this before. What we're really saying is I want you to think of the term small or the attribute small as being appropriately sized. I want it to, I want, I want to make sure that it fits within the iteration or the sprint or the time box or the cycle or whatever. And you know, the team should be able to accomplish more than one of these, right? So when we're talking about small, We want to make sure that we're defending because we think about small. Okay. Well, I want the letter A right here. No, (laughs) that's not what I mean. See, obtaining frequent feedback helps us to reduce risk. And if we're reducing risk during development, then we're going to be successful. That's why we talk about small that's why we're that's why we're we're sizing user stories remember i said up front you know we we want to reduce risk during all phases of development so if that's what we're doing and we're making sure that it's small and it can fit within this thing and we can do more than one or two it's appropriately sized that's what we're talking about and you and your team know what kinds of stories are appropriately sized so you can reduce that risk and get that feedback and finally the t for testable the story provides some observable outcome that you can show and prove. Show and improve. We're going to show and prove. I think there was an old song about that. Anyway, the story should enable the team to show the working software and the validations that proved that their work was successful. And that's positive and negative, right? Because that's the whole point. We want to reduce rework on the other end of this. So if it's not testable with some clear observable outcome that you and the team can not only show the value, you know, of this small body of work, right? But we also want to be able to show our validations on that too. Now, when we're talking about these stories, I mean, we do realize and recognize that the value delivered to the customer is in the vertical. It's in the full thing. It's in the whole slice, right? Right. But you can't get to the whole slice unless you break it down into smaller chunks for faster feedback so that you're reducing risk. And so I want to make sure that we're we're getting that because the Scrum Guide often, you know, people, particularly when they first start on this journey as a product owner and as a team, they think that they've got to deliver working software, you know, at the end of every sprint. And, you know, that may be true in a lot of organizations, but in but in many, you know, you're you're just not going to get there. Right. Particularly not day one. So the reason that we're talking, the reason that we put a time box around this work is so that we have a a demarcation from the time that we commit to something. And then we look down the road and say, hey, did we reach our goal at the end of that time box? And if we didn't, why not? What what kept us from doing that? So in order to realize the full value out of this, yeah, we want potentially shippable working software with quality at the end of our sprint or end of our time box. And yeah that's that's the goal that's what we should be doing you know not all the organizations in the world are like amazon where they're releasing something every 2.9 seconds to production or whatever it is right uh while there are some organizations out there like that you know i think it's likely the exception for your average bear right i mean average product owner average organization even extra average (laughs) above average organization with their deployment and their delivery services you know they're not deploying like that a lot, right? So when we keep it small, we're able to re- reduce the risk because most people in scaled agile frameworks as a whole in larger or medium sized organizations are on a continual learning journey and exploring it because they still haven't gotten it right. you know we're we're in pursuit of it, right? And I've talked about that, you've heard about it, you've told me about it, right. So the idea here is we want to make sure that we can measure this outcome now. When we're talking about uh, right size story again, okay, and getting kind of back to that topic here these this invest model, I hope my explanation of each of those was good for you um, but some of the tips maybe that you can follow here and and just some things that I found to be helpful in my journey here and how to apply it. look for functional or logical breakpoints like in a process flow, so you know user needs to be authenticated. The user needs to see the icon or the button or the link or the, you know, the option to choose, right? Um, User selects the, you know, user chooses the button and then some other screen is displayed, right? So you kind of get what I'm saying. If you look for functional or even logical breakpoints in the process flow, you know, that's a good opportunity for you to have a small story there involved. If you're trying to go from end to amen on this whole workflow, you probably don't have a right size story. Okay, now I'm just just speaking from experience of the vast majority of organizations that I've worked with. Um, What about functions that are based on user segment or access level? Now, we're talking maybe about splitting stories, but we're also talking about small in size, right? And again, I'm not going to dive too deeply into splitting user stories today. But if you consider functions based on a user segment or their access or privilege level, now maybe you're getting into right-size stories. Um, what about workflow steps that present checkpoints for you? You know, there's probably some of that going on. You know, did the SLA warning trigger? Right. If we could test that with the outcome, if they've submitted the ticket and the clock has started, right? <laughs> Instead of we submit the ticket, the clock started we've got four different, uh, levels of SLA escalation and someone gets the email and gets notified that it's threatened or that it's exceeded, right? Well, you know, that could be split. And so when we talk about splitting, again, we're talking about right sizing and I'll get into splitting stories, hopefully in the next episode, because you guys have asked about user story and going a little bit deeper there. Um, finally, what about conditional data segmentation? Now that could be similar to like segment or privilege access, but if we've got some conditional data segmentation out there that we might be able to break this up into, um, you know, uh, all of the dentists, but none of the podiatrists, all of the <laughs> nursing assistants, but none of the doctors, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's kind of like user segment too. Um, maybe we have, a, an area there where we're actually waiting on the data from another team or from another file to get created, or even some kind of update to the file before it starts processing. Can we read the file first, right? So, I mean, those are kind of the things when we're talking about conditional data segmentation that we might be able to explore there. And I'm not going to get too deep into specifics because I don't want you to get bogged down on that. I want you to apply this to your own practice. Now, here's a few questions. Let's run through these real quick. Um, Does your story describe a simple end state that allows for fast feedback? If you can answer yes to that, you're probably following the invest model. Here's a good one for you to think about. Now again, just a thinking pattern. Don't know your organization going into it blindly, but I can tell you I've been around a lot of them, okay? If your story has test scripts that are dependent on more than two or three external systems or routines or functions of those systems, you're probably having you probably got a large a larger story than what should be appropriately sized. So the way that I explain this to folks is if your story, if your user story has test scripts that are not dependent on two or three more, uh, more than two or three external systems, routines, or functions, then you're probably appropriately sized. And that's one you can really think about and take back to your team, okay? Um, your user story is dependent on two, um, you know, more than two or three systems or routines, then you probably got, you're, you're going to have some difficulty testing that you're going to have some difficulty, even probably getting that story completed, uh, within your time box. Um, just too many external dependencies there. Um, okay. So can you summarize the outcome of the story in one simple sentence? So the outcome, not the story, the outcome, can you, can you summarize the outcome of the story in one simple sentence, a simple sentence, what I'm trying to get you to do with that one, as I continue to coach you through this journey is I want you to think in terms of a scenario. And if that scenario can be summarized in one simple sentence, now we're getting ourselves to behavior driven development, which is a good attribute for any product owner to have. You know, if you can get in the mindset of BDD or behavior driven, you're going to, you're going to really be rocking it now because now you're definitely going to get that story sizing going. Um, so think of it as a scenario. And if you can summarize the outcome of that user story in one simple sentence, then you probably got a right size story. Um, what about this one validation? Um, you know, can you use one test user profile or two test user profiles? If you have to use more than that, one or two, then you're probably not having a good story. Okay. Uh, because what we're talking about is a transition with the story, maybe. And we're talking about, Hey, we got to do this over here for this user. And then another user sees it. I don't care about the third user. I only care about that transaction or that interaction between the two. And those users are probably in two different systems. So it kind of goes back to the other premise that I was telling you about the other attribute, I guess, of your story, that if you're dealing with more than two or three routines of systems or transactions within systems, then you probably got a bigger story. Okay. Um, What about this one, the demonstration flow, you know, um, do you have to have a lot of navigation, like manual navigation within the same context, right? If you have a lot of manual navigation into uh, demonstrating this work or testing this work, it might be a little big, right? You might want to look at reducing the size of that story. Um, So does your team tell you, hey, there's going to be too many tasks for this story? but you're insistent on that's the story, <laughs> you know, d- make them feel safe enough, okay, that they can split this story or they can break it down. All right. Uh, because if the story requires too many tasks, it's probably not right sized. Um, and then finally, the story has one goal and outcome. This is, a, I mean, if we just keep it simple at that and say, Hey, there's one thing we want to get done with this thing, just one, then you probably got a right size story. And if we can just kind of simplify that and make it that, then we're probably in really good shape. One thing. I just want one thing. And I don't need a list of 474 bullet point or list items, you know, from a business requirements document to get me there, right? Then you probably got a right size story. So I hope this episode was helpful to you. Um, I look forward to your feedback again, Scott at plantproductowner.org. Don't forget about the you know, the additional media that I'm putting out here to help you on your journey. At least I hope, uh, tell some friends about it. And if you don't sign up, Hey, that's okay. No, no feelings hurt. I'm going to keep going with the podcast here. Uh, sorry for the delay on this episode. Uh, I've been teaching and coaching and training a lot and doing, doing a lot of fun stuff. So I hope to get back to you soon until next time, have a safe and fun lean journey, my friends. Mm